You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Episode 14 of the Bomber Brothers Podcast. Uh, first one, I guess you can say first one after the halfway point as we're now past the All-Star game. And the All-Star break will officially end tonight when this airs. We're recording on Wednesday, but the first game is Thursday night. But anyway, so we've got a little lull in the baseball action, but we are going to talk to Greg Kreinler. He is an awesome, awesome baseball painter his work's been on tops baseball cards it will be in the negro leagues museum also a big yankee fan so excited to have him on and sean excited to uh get baseball going again after a couple days off although i will say the home run derby made it much more manageable to deal without baseball in terms of meaningful games because that home run derby was was pretty awesome my first question is going to be what color paint but um (laughs) Yeah, I I actually over the last couple of years have just fallen in love with this new format of the Derby. Um, it, it was awesome when they first unveiled it, and then the year Judge won was so dramatic with him hitting home runs at the last second, and then last year with Harper. Uh, I mean, I actually honestly I didn't even watch a second of the All Star game. I saw some highlights of you know the CC coming out to the mound and 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 everything, but I went and saw Spider Man last night instead of the the All Star game. I guess that makes me not the greatest baseball fan, but I was locked in for the whole home run derby. Did not miss, did not miss one of the how many dingers did uh, he, did uh, Vlad, Vlad Jr. hit? Ninety seven. I think it was ninety like four, ninety one, twenty nine well, in the first round, which obviously beat Josh close Hamilton. Close to hundred, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's silly though, kind of how they compare them because you know one was ten swings and the other one is, or or ten outs and the other one's four and a half minutes. But it was awesome. I actually was pulling for Alonzo as we got into the final round because I thought 
Um, I thought Vlad Jr. had a nice moment and kind of announced himself on the stage. And I, I thought Alonso's kind of gone unnoticed. And even though he plays for the Mets, who are a crosstown rival, I don't really despise the Mets because they've never given us a reason to fear them. Um, so I was kind of pulling for him to get a little recognition. And he also had the worst batting practice thrower of the bunch. So well, uh, Matt Chapman, <laughs> Matt Chapman might have a case there. Oh, true, true. Well, that guy was throwing sliders the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, his uh, his um, throwing was probably worthy of some pitching ninja overlays with some of the uh, <laughs> some of the movement he had for poor Matt Chapman. But um, yeah, I, I personally was was hoping Vlad would win the uh, the final just because of I mean just the way he you know came on in in that derby and had such an electric first round was I was kind of pulling for him because he had me hooked. Um, I also loved watching Acuna hit. I mean that was so much fun. His uh. His spray chart for those for those home runs were pretty cool. I mean, he he wasn't taking any pitches. If it was way outside, he would shoot home runs to right field. It was pretty cool. But um, like you said, I mean, the, they add the clock to the home run derby, and now all of a sudden, it's my favorite all star activity, and that goes for all four sports. I mean, dunk contest, three point contest, skills challenge in hockey. All of it, I don't think any of it compares to the Home Run Derby based on this this new format. It definitely is much, much more fun to watch than the All-Star game. Um, you talked about being a bad baseball fan. I went home after work, and the All-Star game was probably in the sixth inning, and I turned on the Knicks Summer League. So that talks about yes. how, what kind of fan I, <laughs> kind of fan I am. Yeah, I think the last time I, I watched, I was watching last year when Judge homered in the All Star Game, but I, I haven't really watched much of them. I, I the the year Jeter's last one, I, I watched until they took him out, and the year before I watched Mo. But yeah, it, do, it doesn't really grab my attention. It's just an exhibition. But the Home Run Derby, it, it is guys giving max effort, and dingers are awesome. So yeah, that's that, that's all there is to it. Yeah, so that was that was fun, and, and and we didn't we might not have watched it live like you. I watched all the highlights of the Yankees at bats and the innings they pitched, and uh, the Yankees were pretty well represented at the All Star game. Uh, Sanchez ripped a double. Tanaka pitched a scoreless inning, I believe, and and Chapman Torres had a hit. Yeah, Torres had a hit. Chapman th- strike what? Didn't he strike out the side or pitched a one two three? And um, me, I'm, yeah, he- I'm wondering where the hell that is when he. He's pitching in meaningful games, not against some of the best hitters in baseball. He's always got to make things so stressful when he's pitching in a normal game. Well, I mean, hey, he pitched, pitched good in the All-Star game, did strike out the side with CeCe's little thing in the middle. I mean, you know how it is with him. Sometimes he comes in and it's good night delights, and other times it's uh, we're going to have to play extra innings in Tampa. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, overall, he, he's done a great job this year. I know you're kind of down on him, and – I'm not the biggest fan of his, but at the same time, I can't discount that he's had a monster year um, closing out games for the Yankees. And, um, you know, uh, hopefully hopefully the break with only pitching the one game this week uh, between Monday and Thursday, he'll uh, he'll be a little rejuvenated, as will the rest of the bullpen. Yeah, I was just going to say, hopefully that goes for the bullpen as a whole. They mm-hmm. uh, definitely got their fair share of work um, down the stretch of the first half of the season before the All-Star break, and, and it was all needed. The Yankees pulled out some some huge wins, also suffered some painful losses. But, I mean, even um, even on Saturday with when they lost on the walk-off to Travis Darno, who turned into Mike Trout against the Yankees out of nowhere. But, 
Um, even then, you had the game-tying home run from Hicks when they were down to their last out, so there was still plenty of fight, and you loved seeing that. And then a close 2-1 loss on Sunday, but we said it on last week's podcast. We would have happily taken a split because stupid things tend to happen at the Trop, and the Yankees wound up winning two thrilling, awesome games and losing a thrilling, awesome game and are going to start the next half of the season with a a six-and-a-half game lead. It's tough to complain. Yeah, well, I, I mean, the, the thing that bothers me is stupid stuff happens at the trot, but you don't expect it to be decisions by your manager. And um, I'm sorry, but leaving CC in there in the seventh inning was a, a major mistake, and he did that there last year as well. And it's just like you do the same thing over and over again. And, I mean, dude, dude I get it. He's got the clubhouse. They, and, and you could see they come back and tie that game. That They fight for him and, and, and everything, and they believe in themselves, and they stay calm, but – you got to just make some better in-game decisions, man. You you, can, you can't be pulling that. I, I mean, especially you're going to pitch green in the game anyway. Uh, it's just I, I don't understand why you're pushing CC in that spot. The 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 guy has given you everything in that game. Pitched probably the best game of the, of the year. He's leaving pitches up. You could see it on, on the pitch tracker that it, all of his pitches were up leading up to that homer. And... Um, yeah, just just a lack of having having a pulse on, on what CC was doing, and that could be on Rothschild. It, it could not be, but either way, who's ever making these decisions? Come on, a little more common sense, and um, we'll see. I, I mean, the Yankees have have a pretty tough schedule when they come out of the break, and I think that bullpen and the rotation is going to get quite a workout. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really quick to. To your point, I, I agree. It was definitely deflating, not just because of what happened, but because it was almost like, you know, when is he going to learn not to leave CC in and try to steal outs with CC? Because, like you said, that was one of CC's best performances of the season. But you also can't forget the drop off when he faces a lineup the third time through, when he starts battling some fatigue. He's not the pitcher he used to be, and he he just, you know. As much as we love him, one of our favorite Yankees there is, but he can't go deep into games anymore. And when you have arms ready in the bullpen, you don't take out a pitcher after he runs into trouble. Take him out when, you know, before the trouble begins, which is, I feel like, something Boone should have done multiple times last year. And you you hope it's something he learned from, but a, a decision like that makes you think maybe he didn't. Maybe this will be the time that he learns. We'll see. But like you said, he'll have to be on top of his game coming out of the break. There's what? Four against Boston, four against Tampa Bay. They start with Toronto, but it's going to be very a very interesting stretch heading up to the trade deadline considering oh, how yeah. many games we have coming up against Boston and Tampa Bay. I mean, you... Four against Tampa, four against Boston, and then three against the Rockies, who are not bad, and three against the Twins, who are, you know, and not at Yankee Stadium, so that's not a free series win. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, so that, that's going to be that's going to be interesting. Hopefully, within that time, the Yankees add a add a starter through the trade deadline. Maybe it'll be Marcus Stroman. He's apparently liking tweets, so, and that's what uh, that always I sends everyone that crazy. Yet. I haven't seen that yet. I, I failed to get excited about it, but uh, I'll be I'll be on that. I saw that they're looking at Trevor Bauer, which is just a disaster waiting. Please, to no. I mean, could there be another another closer version to Sonny Gray? <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just what I'm thinking. What I'm what I'm thinking about. I can, oh, imagine the first time him and Sanchez can't get on the same page, or Sanchez lets one of his twelve six curveballs get by him. 
just jeez. Yeah, please um, just for, if if the Yankees, if you're listening, please just steer clear of that. Go elsewhere. He blocked half a Yankee Twitter after Game Four <laughs> of the Division Series while while the game was still going on, not after Game Four, during Game Four after he got knocked out. Yeah, I, uh, no, I was, want no I was part of watching that. that game. Nice memories, but uh, yeah, I, I I'm in on Stroman. I don't want Bumgarner. I I know he was good in the the World Series five years ago, but that was five years ago. Give me Stroman. Um, if somehow they could get Cindergard, I, I don't know. I, I don't That's even know. That's not. I don't want to go it's down this happen. rabbit hole again. Wheeler's not that good. Just bring me Strowman. Mr. Uh, Strowman. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I can't. I can't count on. I can't count on Severino coming back before September. You need somebody before that to make sure you get the division. Um, I'll tell you one thing though that makes me feel positive while I'm rambling. Domingo looks really good coming back from the injured list. Uh, I know it was against the Mets, uh, but he looked very solid. Yeah, I agree. That was uh, that was encouraging to see. And you know, again, we were expecting some regression, but the way he looked, maybe a lot of the re- sudden regression we saw was because he had a nagging hip injury that he wasn't telling anybody about, which obviously would be much a much better reason for those struggles than the fact that he was just regressing to a, a lower mean but if, if they can keep getting any kind of production like that from Herman, and also James Paxton has looked better and if so that if they can continue to get that as well that would be that would be great because Paxton I thought looked really really good uh, on Sunday what was that 11 strikeouts he had no walks yeah so that was definitely also that was also encouraging to see yeah no they pitched they pitched well in Tampa it was an encouraging series and in and in um, and in New York against the Mets, they pitched well too. So we're talking about um, potential upgrades in the rotation, and you know all the obvious names you you brought up: Stroman, Bauer, Wheeler, Bumgarner. I I consider Syndergaard to let's not even discuss it because it's not happening. Yeah, the yeah. Mets, the Mets, if they would even put him on the block, would ask for. I personally think they would ask for even more of higher of an asking price from the Yankees than from other teams, just because they're just like that. Mm-hmm. But um, but what about Zach Greinke? It's you know he's not someone who's widely confirmed to be on the market, but you know the Diamondbacks are what one game above five hundred. They're they have no shot at the division. They're I think they're only like a game and a half out of the wild card. But if they struggle out of the break. I would love to get Granky over here. I don't know about well, you. I mean, in the past, hasn't he shied away from New York? I know he's had some sort of uh, personality um, problems, like uh, anxiety problems, I, I should say, rather. I, I also think he has had personality problems where he's not well-liked. I remember reading that once. But anyway, hasn't he had anxiety problems and just pitching in a, in a big market like New York people have worried about, or am I making that up? I... Don't I don't know I don't remember. All right, well I remember, let's just I remember Gil Gil Mesh from uh, I think he had something. Gil Mesh. Yeah, didn't he retire really early? Anyway, maybe maybe Gran- I'm getting it confused. Granky a two seven three ERA this this season, and the, obviously the issue would be that he signed for through the next two seasons, I believe, to a pretty big contract. So, but but we've also heard and he's already thirty five. All right, well, they clearly don't care about that. They signed Hap, so that part doesn't matter. But we also have heard uh, Steinbrenner say that he 
would be willing to go over the luxury tax to acquire a starter. So put your money where your mouth is, and if Granky becomes available, take on that contract. I mean, I'd rather get Strowman, but... Uh, I'd, be fi- I'd be fine with either one. I was just trying to throw out a, a more of a wild card because those yeah. are names you're going to hear from now until the 31st. I just feel like it's a, uh, I don't know. I mean, he pitches in a, you know, a pitcher's park and Arizona's a big park. I don't know. I'm not too sold on it. I'd, ra- I'd rather have Strowman. Something about Grinky just rubs me the wrong way. It's too old. Too old. I, I mean, look. If if I understand you're just throwing a wild card out there, but if you're if you're going to get somebody that has four years of control, just go ahead and pay the extra prospects for Strowman. Because then what's going to happen is okay. So Steinbrenner's going to say I'll take on the extra salary this year. Well, then next year you're not going to be able to go out and get guys because oh we well, got Granky tied up for two more years or some sort of BS like that. They'll feed us. That's <laughs> that's kind of where my thought process is going. And then we're going to so so then after this year we'll be paying Zach Grinky. And Jay Happ for two more years to pitch in their late 30s. Yeah, see, that's where I don't care because the Yankees, given how things are going this year, should be 100% all in to win this year. And you can worry about that stuff later. Yeah, but then we're going to have to suffer for two years just to win one year. We shouldn't have to suffer at all. I get it. But I would just give me. uh, Strowman's more fun to watch pitch anyway. I like his attitude. Hey, I, I uh, I would take Strowman. My wild card would be Granky, but right. we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, Rosenthal, wow. Rosenthal, <laughs> Rosenthal guessed um, or said that if he had to guess, it would be Stroman going to the Yankees. So that's encouraging. Bring him to me. <laughs> All right. Um, what else? What else we got on the on the docket? Obviously, not much has been going on of late. Luke Voigt uh, ran the bases at full speed, apparently, and took BP. That's so. not very fast. <laughs> at full, uh, actually, it, the tweet didn't say full speed; it said full bore, which was probably more, <laughs> more fitting. That's that's yeah. Cool. Well, that's good. I'm excited about that. They could definitely use him back. Um, down the stretch, a couple of Yankees struggled a little bit. Um, Sanchez kind of stopped hitting. Aside uh, from this. One mile long home run in the Tampa Bay series but yeah right but but he he was having some some issues um at the plate does does that bother you at all no no you're not worried thinking a little thinking a little rest is going to get some of these guys back back on track because they their offense really didn't do much the last two games there no, no, they didn't. But also, you had Sunday when Lemayhu and Torres, two of their best hitters, mm-hmm. were out of the lineup, and I, I think the break came at a perfect time because after the London series and you know, fighting through all these injuries, they probably were a little gassed down the stretch. Sanchez has been catching a lot because he's been so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's been so good at the plate, and all these other injuries have kind of forced the Yankees' hand to play him more. And the fact that when Romine plays, he's been among the worst hitters in the league so there's not there wasn't much choice they played him a lot and he probably needed some rest so no i'm not i'm not too worried about that i know i saw that uh chase percentage was was uh noticeably was up yeah noticeably up the last 30 at bats or so but there's also been yankees that have been trending in encouraging directions judge has looked really good since he came back he's been really hot lately oh yeah 
Uh, same could be said for Gregorius. He has bounced back nicely after um, a brief little funk. He's looking a lot better. Uh, he's not, he, yeah, he's, he's doing better. I feel like he's not all the way there, though. Oh, no, but, but actually, I mean... Actually, I was looking. Judge Lee's a team in OPS now. That's... Pass yeah, LeMay. That's what you That's what you expect from Judge. And then Brett Gardner hit a, hit another home run on oh, yeah. Sunday. He's, his OPS has been over 1,000 since the helmet to the face incident. So that's, that's been, that's been well, great slap. to see. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. And you know who else has started to turn back around? Urshela actually had a pretty strong strong last month here, uh, or last, last two weeks. So that's good to see, especially with Voight going down. You, you move LeMahieu over to first sometimes. But um, over their last 15 games, I'm going to give you some OPSs. You're going to tell me who's going to come out of the break hot. Encarnacion, 547. Not good. <laughs> Didi, 697. Sanchez, 699. Um, the next Yankee regular up is Hicks at 817. So now we're getting into more normal territory. So out of the three guys that I said, Encarnacion, Didi, Gary, who do you worry about the most? Who do you worry about the least in the second half? Out of those guys? Those three. Who, and oh. the last the last two two and a half weeks kind of sputtered. I mean – Worrying about the least would probably be Sanchez because I have 2016 and 2017 and the entire season up to the last 15 games of evidence that this is the kind of elite hitter Sanchez is. Plus, we all know that August comes after July, which is this month. So it's almost time for August Gary. So that alone makes him the one I'm least concerned about. Um, I mean, I guess I would say Encarnacion out of out of him and Didi, just because again that OPS you just gave me is is low, but Didi's also been much better recently. He's not chasing those fastballs nearly as much anymore, so that's good to see. And he's coming off an injury, so you knew there was going to be some lingering rust. So uh, to be honest, I'm not even that. I'm not worried about. Any of those three. If I had to pick, I would. I guess I'd say Encarnacion, just because he's been here for a little while now and is still struggling. The strikeout numbers are are way up, but I, he's just another guy that I think will adjust. He's been in the league for so long and has been hitting at a high level for so long. I'm, I'm really not worried about any of those guys. Fair enough. All right. All right. Well, uh, so um, moving on to other things, we talked to Greg Kreinler. He is a uh, baseball painter and an awesome follow on twitter he's always posting pictures of paintings he's done of some they're just incredibly detailed it's it's an amazing what what he does with a paintbrush and you've probably seen uh portraits on tops baseball cards his, he's about to have uh work in the negro leagues museum on display next year i believe he's been featured on on the yes network also an avid Yankee fan, so excited to have him on. And here he is, Greg Kreinler. Okay, we're joined now by Greg Kreinler. You can follow him on Twitter for some awesome, awesome looks at his detailed baseball paintings that he does. He's done plenty of Yankees work, a lot of Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Luke Gehrig. You can see his work on the cover of uh, some Topps baseball cards. He'll have uh, work displayed in the Negro Leagues Museum, I believe, next year. Greg, thanks so much for coming on and talking to us about this awesome work you do. My pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me. So, you know, obviously, I, 
seen you uh, featured on the Yes Network. Big baseball fan, big Yankee fan. Just when, when did you recognize your love for baseball, and and how did it kind of parallel with you recognizing your talent as an artist? Well, uh, I mean, I I kind of got into to baseball as a pretty you know young kid, uh, basically because of my my dad. Um, and uh, my brother, who was you know, both Yankee fans, still are Yankee fans, um, we used to kind of you know go to games. And, and uh, this is like in the you know nineteen early nineteen eighties, late 1980s. And you know my father would kind of uh, you know sit me down on the proverbial knee and tell me about the players that he uh, that he grew up watching. Uh, you know people like Mickey Mantle and Yogi Berra and Roger Maris. And uh, I guess I kind of. Always, you know, I, I guess, like, I knew who John Mattingly was, you know, I knew who Dave Winfield was, and those are the guys that I kind of watched at the games, but at the same time, I kind of really knew who Mickey Mantle was, or at least I feel like I knew who Mickey Mantle was, uh, and, and those guys because of my dad. Um, and it kind of, I guess, kind of uh, came to a point where I was doing art, uh, mainly. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how old you guys are, so I might be dating myself here. But uh, you know, growing up in the in the eighties, I was kind of into cartoons and, and you know, uh, drawing uh, like He Man and GI Joe and stuff like that. But eventually, kind of found my dad's uh, baseball card collection, which he had you know accumulated uh, ever since he was a little kid, uh, and in that collection were baseball cards of Mickey Mantle and those people. And I kind of gravitated towards that because the cards that were out in the late 40s and 50s, uh, a lot of them were not actually uh, photographs, but they were they were illustrations, they were paintings, uh, they were drawings. And maybe something kind of clicked in my head that, you know, hey, I do drawings and, you know, someone else did a drawing of... of of these baseball players and maybe I can do that uh, it wasn't necessarily like oh I'm going to do that when I get older uh, but it was just kind of like oh you know maybe it'd be nice to draw my dad Mickey Mantle and that's kind of that's kind of how that got planted I guess and you mentioned Mickey Mantle and recently you tweeted a, a picture of one of your favorite portraits you've done of Luke Gehrig so do you have you know, a favorite player that you enjoy painting or one that you just feel like captures your love for baseball or the Yankees, just someone who you find painting various pictures of? Um, you know, I don't know if I necessarily have a favorite. I mean, there are guys who I, who I paint a lot because uh, I guess a lot of my clients really like uh, the same guys, you know, so like Babe Ruth and Mantle and, and Gary and DiMaggio are kind of, it's like those are the big four, so those are the ones that I do the most. Um, and I do enjoy painting, uh, painting them, but I also, I really, really love painting the lesser known Yankees. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that could be like a, a lesser known Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, if it's, you know, if you're saying like Tony Lazari, who, Say, he's a pretty famous name, and I think most people know who he is. He's, he can fit in that category, but also someone like, you know, Joe Gordon can fit in that category. Or if I want to go, 
you know, even more random, you know, just kind of role players from the early years of the team, you know, when they were still the Highlanders or, or the 27 Yankees or just, it's like if you wear pinstripes, um, I'm interested in your story and I guess I'm kind of interested in painting you uh, for the most part. Like anything that's just kind of visually interesting uh, to me is what I'm going to gravitate towards. And then you've done so much work. It's all, and everyone can see it all on your website, gregkreinler.com. Is, is there one, is there one painting you've done that kind of stands out to you as, I don't know, your, your favorite work, whether it be, uh, a portrait of a moment in time that was special to you or just that you thought came out really great? Does, does any one stand out to you as something that you're especially proud of? Uh, so I did, I did this one painting, uh, of the 1927 Yankees, the, uh, the entire team. Uh, I did that for a client and it took a very long time to do. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit uh, how long it actually <laughs> took, but the love that went into it, I mean, just the fact that I, I got to paint, you know, Bruce and Gehrig and Lazari and then also, you know, Miller Huggins and, and Pat Collins and Ben Pascal, like people that you know, no one's ever really heard of. But these are the guys who kind of made up the most formidable team in baseball history for uh, for the most part. I I think the fact that I spent so much time on the painting and so much time uh, getting to sounds kind of corny, but getting to know these guys in a way, you know, like kind of intimately. Um, I I just I think that's the one I probably most proud of or have like the strongest connection with uh, might also just be because you know it was in front of my face for as long as it was <laughs> so you, you said Craig that it took you an embarrassingly long time how long do these usually take I mean you have some some great ballpark panoramic photos that, that are that are massive. How how long does something like that take? And is it is it something where you might get like halfway through and be like, you know, it's not going along how I want. I'm going to have to start over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, stuff like that happens. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens. Um, and my time now, like my schedule, is, is still kind of. Uh, funky because I have two, uh, you know, two young toddlers, so they're kind of running circles around me while I try to work. But uh, for the most part, if, so if I'm doing, say, like a small portrait of someone, you know, just like a single image uh, of a single portrait that's not super involved with any research or anything, I can probably knock it out in a couple of weeks. Um, but those larger ballpark panoramics that you're talking about I mean those take months uh, just you know an endless amount of research uh, an endless amount of you know sheer elbow grease that just kind of goes into you know actually painting it and filling up the canvas and, and all that stuff it's just it's just a very long process and the uh, <laughs> the uh, the 27 Yankees one took actually took uh, not months, but years. So it's, yeah, it, it's kind of hardcore. Well, you put in that hardcore work and then you get picked up uh, by, you know, a company that's been around 
Bird. I'm sure all of our childhood and our parents. But what's it like seeing your your work featured on Pops cars now? It's I, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's still kind of you know it sounds kind of corny again, but it's it's like I I, I pinch myself because you know, when I was a little kid buying baseball cards, buying Pops cards, I. I uh, I'm just I, never once did I think that my work would actually appear on uh, on this stuff, but uh, just now it's like I'm I'm a part of that lineage. You know, it's like I'm a part of the lineage that goes back to to the early '50s when when my dad was collecting. Um, and there's something really kind of special about that. Uh, it's it's hard to. It's hard to articulate. It's kind of hard to quantify, but it's it's like one of those it's like one of those moments you have uh, that you it's like a banner moment. You know, it's it's just like a highlight. Um, I I'm hoping that you know the reception to to what I'm doing is, is good, and that uh, the people buying the cards like what I do, and hopefully Tops likes what I do. And I mean, I would love to do more for them for sure. But just the fact that they gave me you know a shot. Uh, in doing this stuff, you know, just now, I'm just like, this is amazing. <laughs> it's just so cool. And what is it about the older generation of, of baseball players that that you find so endearing? So that's kind of become the main focus of your work. You know, you said you grew up really watching Wingfield and Mattingly. I'm sure you saw, you know, the Yankees' early dynasty years and whatnot. But what is it about that older generation that captures you so much? Uh, you know, I it's hard to it's hard to say. I mean, I there's definitely something about the idea of those guys being more accessible, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, like there isn't so much of a separation between uh, between those ball players and I guess the common person. Um, you know, there there are old stories about uh, about. Brooklyn Dodgers and how a lot of those guys actually lived in Brooklyn, you know, around Ebbets Field, and and they were part of the neighborhood, and they would take the, uh, uh, you know, the trolleys and, and and trains to to the ballpark, and you know, you could talk to them. You know, they came to they came to the stores that were in the that were in the neighborhoods, and you know, it's like you can you can interact with Pee Wee Reese, you know, and Gil Hodges, and that that doesn't exist today, um, but. You know, as a kid, I don't know if I was really aware of that. I think, I think I was just kind of attracted to the nostalgia of it. Um, the fact that, you know, you could kind of see, like when, if you're talking to someone older than you who has experienced, especially, you know, baseball, when they're talking about players that they saw growing up, it's like a, it's like a light in their eyes that, that, you don't kind of see whenever they're talking about anything else. And I, I don't know, maybe I just noticed that as a young kid and, and maybe it just kind of appealed to me. Um, and, you know, and I guess there's also, like, I guess there's also a desire to kind of, to kind of take these guys that, uh, you know, that people might know a lot about, you know, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig or, or people who, uh, fans might know nothing about and kind of, you know, breathe life back into them. Um, so I think, I think when we think of Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and, 
and guys from that era, it's kind of it's kind of like limited to to black and white photography and you know black and white uh, home movie footage or 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 like kinescope footage or whatever. And I think I just really really like the idea of trying to bring them back to life and to kind of make them make them real again and you know make people think about the fact that they were that they were real like real people living on earth you know like like they could theoretically walk down the street and see them like they're real flesh and blood and you certainly do a great job of bringing them back to life and you main the main focus of your work like you said is the older generation is but you you have done some other more modern guys uh jeter a great painting of mariano rivera trotting out of the bullpen at, at one of daryl strawberry i believe i saw are there are there any players right now in the modern era that you look at and think would be you know fun to try to tackle and, and paint a portrait of or just somebody in today's game that you could see yourself doing? Uh, I mean, I, you know, as a Yankee fan, I mean, certainly certainly something about uh, Judge is very appealing, uh, just the way he looks uh, for certain. Um, you know, how, how big he is, how imposing he is. At the same time, though, you know, I, I think that there are players... Uh, who aren't on the Yankees, who are just as interesting. I mean, Trout, uh, is, uh, it's kind of like, I kind of feel like he's kind of like a modern-day Mickey Mantle. Um, so, like, painting him, I feel like I, I would kind of, not that I would treat it the same way that I treat Mantle. Um, well, I guess I would treat it the same way, because I treat it all the same way, but I, I feel like if I'm painting him, it would kind of feel like I'm painting Mickey Mantle, if that makes sense. Um... If you talk about, there's one player who I, I had painted once, uh, and I would love to paint again, play briefly for the Yankees, uh, Ichiro, who I absolutely loved watching. Um, I just adore that guy. So, you know, painting someone like him would be great. Um, it, it, it just, like, I'm down, I feel like I'm down to paint any of these guys. Um, I just find myself, I guess, gravitating more towards the older players. Um, I feel like more often than not when I'm painting the modern guys, you know, be it a Jeter or, or Rivera or Strawberry or, you know, Mattingly or whatever, it's usually on like a, a commission basis. You know, someone pays me and they want me to paint uh, those guys. Gotcha. And who knows? Maybe like 10 years from now I'll be like, oh, I'm, you know what? I'm ready to paint Ricky Henderson. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've also done a lot of work, not just portraits of players, but you know, paintings of actual moments in time, whether it be uh, Roger Maris's 61st home run, uh, awesome, awesome work on uh, Luke Gehrig's famous luckiest man speech. Is there... Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Is there, is there a, a baseball moment that stands out to you that you think would be great to uh, paint in a more, you know, bigger project to just capture a historic moment in baseball history that means something more to you? Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I could say that, you know, there, there are a lot of moments throughout the history of the game, uh, famous moment, be it, you know, Yankee history or just baseball history in general that I'd be really into. Um, 
certainly uh, one that I one that I've been thinking about actually over the past few days. Is, uh, uh, there was a home run hit by uh, Gabby Hartnett, who's uh, a Chicago Cub in the twenties uh, and thirties and early forties, and he hit this uh, uh, this basically pennant-winning home run in 1938, and it was actually, I think, until Bobby Thompson hit his home run in 51, I think it was the most, considered the most famous home run in baseball history. Um, and, you know, they're all, like, these theatrics kind of involved in the in the subject matter because he hit this home run, like, as the sun was kind of, like, going down. So, uh, uh, so you know, Wrigley Field didn't have any lights, and... And it's kind of like in Twilight, and it was called uh, the Homer in the Gloaming. Um, something like that is really appealing. But at the same time, you know, if I could do like a big painting of, you know, Yankee Stadium, say, you know, maybe in the 50s or something like that, before a game, just like my father's heroes, like crossing to each other, I, I would love doing something like that just as much. Uh, just anything that kind of catches the flavor of of the game, you know, from any particular era, I'm just totally into. Um, I mean, obviously there are tons of moments in Yankee history that I could uh, that I can kind of glom onto, but uh, I I kind of kind of into the idea of of making uh, or trying to make stuff that is really maybe considered plain and not exciting and like trying to make that kind of profound if that makes sense mm-hmm. interesting and um, yeah. you, you um, have recently been tweeting out some work that's going to be featured in the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum uh, next spring and you know what? What drew you to that? Uh, obviously, you talk about bringing players back to life, and it seems like a great idea to kind of bring or breathe life into players from the Negro Leagues that were some of the best baseball players of their time, but were just sadly not recognized as much. So, just what is it? What has it been like uh, working on that kind of project, and to know that it will be displayed for uh, people in Kansas City, I believe it is for the for them to see next year. I mean that that's kind of definitely kind of in the same vein as the, the tops thing where it's like a you know it's like a dream project um, I, I basically I hooked up with this guy uh, who uh, is a client of mine and he owns a, a pretty large collection of I guess Negro League related memorabilia and uh, he is a big art fan which is great you know, great for me, I guess. Great for other artists he's, uh, he's commissioned. Uh, but he, he just had this idea of, of putting together this show to celebrate uh, to celebrate the centennial of the formation of the Negro National League, which is next year. And just like he gave me, so he gave me a list of players that he wanted painted, and it kind of started off like, you know, okay, I'm going to do about thirty or forty of these small portraits and that in itself is like okay that's cool that's a a meaty project and then 40 became like 70 70 became 100 and then 100 became 200 and the list of these players just keeps getting bigger and bigger and I swear like of these uh, of these names I'd say there are about like 175 names because there there are a bunch of players that I do more than once uh, but of the 175 names, I'd say I've heard of maybe like 
uh, at the time I'd heard of, I'd heard of maybe 30 of them. And the rest of these guys, it's like I had never heard of like at all. Their names were completely new to me. And I'm doing research on on each and every one and, you know, painting them. And it's, it's just like you said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to bring these guys back to life. And, and I, I, I don't want to say that I'm like, I'm trying to educate people because uh, that's not really the main, uh, the main goal of doing this stuff. It's, uh, but it, it, it is a big part of it. And I just, it's like, I, it's like it's such a, such a monumental task. And I'm just kind of beyond honored that, that the guy who, you know, who commissioned all this stuff wanted me to do it. And that the Negro League Museum is, is taking on this exhibit. Um, it's just, it's just, I, again, you know, maybe I'm just, uh, maybe I'm just tired and I'm having a hard time articulating it, but uh, I'm just incredibly grateful and beyond lucky that, you know, that I'm able to kind of do this kind of stuff, that I'm able to research these ball players and, and paint them and actually say that, you know, it's my job. Um, it's it's something that I never dreamed of. You know, when I was when I was a little kid, I never dreamed that I'd be able to do something like this. But but now it's like I get to kind of celebrate not just you know baseball as I knew it growing up, but kind of like the entire tapestry of the game. You know, whether it's whether it's the Negro Leagues or the Cuban Leagues or, or some of the the, uh, the women ball players who've been around uh, or you know. Uh, or players overseas, you know, in Japan, it's like it's like the whole, just the whole, the whole game. It's like I'm just kind of able to, to play with it. And you do a, a great job of, of capturing all of it, and everyone else can enjoy it on. Uh your Twitter page at Greg Kreinler. You can see his work on some Topps cards, the Negro Leagues Museum next year. Greg, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. And, and again, awesome work. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully, I didn't sound too crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. All right, huge thanks again to Greg Kreinler. Everyone be sure to check out his work and follow his Twitter page. Really some awesome, awesome stuff. I, I really couldn't believe or couldn't imagine doing that kind of detailed work, Sean. But I you know, think just picturing painting portraits of baseball players while watching a game actually seems like a pretty nice life. Yeah, I mean, you know, what beats that? You know, you're just hanging out, paint, painting baseball players and everything like that, getting your getting – your, paintings on tops cards that people collect still and yeah that's awesome this has been a this has been a nice evolution over the past couple weeks we broke down the uh paint scene of little big league last week now we have on an actual painter so it's been a it's been a good two weeks for um the art industry for paint. <laughs> good couple weeks for paint all right well um we've actually got baseball coming up so what do you uh what are you looking forward to this week just baseball being back or anything well, before we before we look forward, let me ask you just really quick. Second half's over. What was your favorite favorite moment slash memory of the first half for the Yanks? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, 
Hmm. Man, that's tough. Honestly, I feel like those first two games in Tampa Bay, that just happened. Oh, okay. Those were two really awesome, thrilling games. You had, you know, Sanchez coming through big, Gardner coming through big, two of my favorite Yankees. So that was super exciting, especially given the fact that when those two games ended, the Yankees were up in the division by eight and a half games. And, you know, the Yankees have been so good for so long, you almost forget that they haven't won a division, the division since 2012. And then they go up by eight and a half games with just two games to go before the break. You're like, wow, like, this might happen. We might actually be able to avoid the grueling one game playoff that you want no part of. So I, I'd say I'd say that was it for me. Cool. What about you? Um, I would say the the Gardner Grand Slam against Boston really for me kind of like turned things around and that West Coast trip was good. But um I would say probably my favorite moment was that win against the Rays that they had. It was like the week after Urshela had his first walk-off hit when they were losing, I think it was 4-1 to one or 3-1 to one in the in the bottom of the ninth, and they wound up rallying, and they won 4-3. to three. Sterling called that home run that wasn't a home run, and that, oh, yeah. that was just a huge win against Tampa after taking 2-3 or three in Tampa. Um, that, that was a huge win. So probably that win or the um, – or maybe that win on the Saturday night game that you were at against the Astros. That was a playoff-like atmosphere against a good team. So th- those would be two of my two of my top games, so to speak. But for looking ahead, um, you know, as you know, Saturday I got me and Dad tickets. We're going to be sitting in a suite at Yankee Stadium, all you can eat, um, and and I'm sure Dad will have plenty of Coronas, and we're going to be in nice <laughs> air conditioning. So I'm excited for that. I've never never lived the sweet life at Yankee Stadium before, so I'm really excited about that. And then Sunday we get to play a little baseball together. So it sounds like a nice baseball weekend. Yeah, I've had a break myself like the uh, major leaguers. Not for being an all-star by any means, but I haven't been able to play in a couple weeks. So I'm definitely excited to get back on the field. And I will also be at the game on Saturday living a little more luxuriously. Me and me and the other bomber brother, Kyle, have pinstripe general admission passes. So, <laughs> so we'll be scrounging for open seats and tooling around the stadium. But, um, yeah, just looking forward to getting back to the ballpark and baseball coming back. It's so funny. It's only, like, four days that it's gone. But you're once once uh, Friday rolls around, you're just so excited to have it back as if it's been an off season or something. Yeah, that's that was one of the – I'm having a terrible week at work. I've been so busy. But I'm glad it's this week because it's not – I'm not – like, I'm not out of the whole baseball loop since it's, it's this week. So, cool. All right. Well, thanks again to Greg Kreinler. Everybody, again, check out his work. It's really unbelievable stuff. And, um, yeah, other than that, welcome back, baseball. Thanks, everyone, for uh, listening. And we'll see you next week with some actual current baseball action to talk about. So we'll talk to you then. See you later, everybody. Let's make it a good second half.